0: Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in scripture, to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. Well, good
1: morning and happy Sabbath, church. Morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Um, So my name is Seth. Uh, This is Moses Meyer. Hello. Um great friend of mine. We've had an awesome opportunity to uh, speak before you this morning. Pastor Jim was actually supposed to introduce us, but no, it's okay. It's okay. I'll take care of it now. Um, but yeah, we had the awesome opportunity to come and tell about a journey that we've been on in the um, realm of giving. Um, but I don't want to pass over just the beautiful story, I guess, that John gave us this morning um, about his parents serving as missionaries and Obviously, some of the sacrifices made by veterans and missionaries all over the world. Um, I was reminded how blessed we are to have the freedoms that we do have. Uh, When I went on my first trip to China a number of years ago, and when we were going to celebrate Sabbath together, we actually had to do it in one of their underground churches. And that was a neat experience, but really brought home um, just how fortunate we are to be able to worship and do the things that we do here in this awesome country. Mm -hmm. Um, So before we start this morning, I would like to have a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, uh, we thank you so much for um, your Sabbath. We thank you so much for this place, your house, that we can come and spend time with you, and I pray that as uh, Moses and I share this morning, that uh, you will take a coal from your heaven's altar and touch our lips, and may everything that we say and do uh, bring honor and glory to your name, and hopefully um, we all walk away from this place a little bit closer and more reflecting of you. Amen. Um, So I was nine years old when I had the awesome opportunity to go for the first time on a trip overseas to be uh, a missionary with my dad. And we were going to go to India. Our church decided we were going to go to West India. And we were going to help build a church and give some Bible stories to um, local orphanages and do skits and things like that. And there was some questionings among the group whether I was old enough to go or not. I was nine. Not very tall now. Definitely wasn't tall then. was a little guy about this big. And the question was like, how is Seth actually going to help? And me, I'm a pretty confident person. Uh, so I kind of crossed my arms a little bit, and I was like, well, I want to go. And I remember there was this deliberation between my mom and dad. Well, was he too young to go? Can he go? Should he not go? Well, I'm thankful that they allowed me to go. We raised the money, and we got on the trip to go, or on the plane ready to go. And as we were crossing over the uh, Atlantic Ocean um, on our way to india via indian air the stewardess was coming up the aisle and came to me in my father's row and went to the first person hello sir what would you like and then took the order and my dad uh, said yeah i'd like the grilled salmon so i grew up vegetarian actually mostly vegan but my dad liked to kind of step outside of the box every once in a while and try something new and he really liked grilled salmon and i'd never had grilled salmon before but i was like hey this is kind of a unique experience dad can i have the salmon Uh, He thought about it for a minute we went back and forth and he said, yeah, sure, I guess you can try it. So I tried the salmon. It wasn't that great. Um, We traveled on for many hours and long story short, I got very sick. In fact, so sick that I ended up having to stay overnight for two nights in a local Indian hospital ward with about 40 beds and a big open space, um, which... To my uh, surprise, it only costed a grand total of two dollars and fifty cents for those two night stays. So maybe there's something that the American healthcare system could learn from the Indian healthcare system. <laughs> um, and it was at that point that I really started to question. You know, what can I do here? Uh, I am small. I can't lift some of these blocks that they're putting into place. I guess I can paint a little bit. Not really my forte. Um, but as we were driving to and from different places, I started. To see, like, well, maybe I could smile at people. Let's see what that does. And it's a vulnerable thing to smile. At some people, because I think we've all experienced it. You'll try to smile at some people, and you might actually get a smile back. Some other people, they're just like, okay, not wanting to smile back. And. It's not the greatest feeling, but as I was there, I noticed that more and more people began to reciprocate those smiles, and it grew. And there was one man in particular who lived across from the compound where we were at, and he just was there day in and day out with a little hammer in his hand, pounding at rocks from this big, making a giant pile of gravel. And as I smiled at him the first day, got a little bit of a response. The second day, more and more of a response. And even though there was that language barrier, I'd realized that we had made a connection off of just one simple thing, and that was giving that smile. And that was my first real introduction to what giving was outside of monetary means. So this is my friend Moses. Moses has been a good friend for a number of years now, and Moses has this thing that he likes to do every year, for the past six years actually, where he picks a word, and that word is to be a theme for the entire year. So I remember the year that I started noticing this was the year of cardio. I like cardio, and Moses was deciding to get into running and biking. In fact, on no training, he decided, I'm going to bike from here, my house, which was right up the road, to Calhoun, Georgia, about 50 miles, with little to no training. He completed it. Uh, to my amazement, although he was a little bit sore, the next year he decided he was going to do with a year of rejection, and he did. He went out and sought rejection in any place that he uh, could. He actually applied for a CEO position, of which he made it through four rounds of interviews, and he succeeded with getting rejected. <laughs> and so um, I think the next year was the year of the rebuild, and at the end of 2022, as he was finishing that up, I thought, you know, Moses, I got an idea. What if we did, or what if you did a year of giving? Like that was your theme. And not only that, what if in January you picked a sum of money and then in February that sum increased by a certain percentage or number, and then it continued to kind of compound each month until December to where you could give it all away. And then what if not only that, we started a podcast that we call Give Well, where we could document this journey and just see what comes of it, it'd be fun to document. So we've been on this journey and we've been doing that. And um, Moses will share a little bit about a few of those stories. But for me as well, it's impacted um, just the way that I think about giving. And like I said before, monetarily is kind of when I think of giving, I think for most of us, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind just because of the culture we grew up in. Uh, within Adventism I remember when I first started giving at a very young age it was I like get my allowance get ten dollars give away one maybe a dollar or two to offering um, and then as I started to graduate on in life and came to my college years where I was making a little bit of money and then even postgraduate I um, Tithe was always set in stone, but I noticed as my income grew proportionately, my offering percentage kind of seemed to decrease because the more money you start to put in that bucket, I'm like, man, that's a lot of money. I could do a lot of things with that. So I asked one of my good friends and mentors, like, how do you give? Um, When it comes to the financial side of things, he said, Well, I put aside 10% tithe and then I give another 10% of offering. And no matter what, I always set those um, piles aside. And tithe obviously goes to the church, and offering usually does, or to wherever God leads. And that way I don't have to think about it. And it's provided a lot of neat opportunities for me to give. So I was like, Yeah, I'm a man of efficiency and formula. And it was easy to kind of make that decision. Uh, actually, it wasn't that easy in the beginning. I had to talk my wife into it. But we did it, and it actually ended up being one of the greatest blessings because God has always given these neat opportunities to give in different places, and it's a really interesting and fun thing to do. And I think Moses now will share a little bit of his we, story.
0: We, we talk about giving in the context so many times of money, and, and I think that's tremendous because God has blessed each of us with a gift and many of us, it is money that we are, we are called to give, like Seth was saying. Uh, but something we've discovered on this journey is that giving is actually a part of our life just as much as breathing is. We get up in the morning, we're breathing, we're sleeping, we're breathing. I don't know that I am, but I am, I suppose. <laughs> and. And the fact is that giving is just the same because we get up and we choose. Am I gonna give to myself? Am I gonna give selfishly? Or am I gonna give to my community and uplift people? And it's a choice we make every single day. And it's, it's something that was, that was revo- really revolutionary for me too because thinking about giving beyond just the aspect of money was tremendous in this journey. I, I remember a couple months ago, there was uh, a time I was in the Collegedale Library and I was sitting there, I do some work there from time to time, and I saw this nice old lady walk in and she went to the front desk, she said, hey, I would like some classes on how to use my smartphone. And, and the, the front desk folks said, well, we don't offer those classes, too bad. And so she walked out a little sad and I thought to myself, well, to be honest, I spend a lot of time on my phone, uh, and it's probably not too good, but I, I know about how to use my phone, so I probably should go talk to her and, and help her out. So I, I ran out outside, hoping with all my heart she didn't own an Android because I have no idea how to use one of those. <laughs> uh, and, hey, I know this is strange. My name is Moses. I'd, I couldn't help but overhear what you were talking to them about at, at the front desk here, and, and I would like to help you if, if possible. And, and the blessing from this is that we've, we've started a friendship, we've met a couple times, gone to her house, met her, her friends as well, and it's tremendous because giving was found there with no money, just simple time and attention to a moment, and I found that in a lifestyle of giving, if we're open to it, there's opportunities all around. All around us, there's moments to give. And and the story is specific about the community that we're in, the people around us. But there's moments to give much closer in our family, in our home. And, and in marriage, Seth, we were talking about one specific uh, conversation you had with your wife at one point.
1: Yeah, a number of conversations, actually. So yeah, I've been married now for six years. Um, you can learn a whole lot in six years, exponentially, especially the first few years. And I remember our first year of marriage was... Um, a good but a difficult year because there was a lot of different changes taking place and I'm more of a doer. I like doing things. It's easy for me to do. I think it's my primary love language, whether it's cleaning the dish dishes or uh, vacuuming the house or mowing the lawn or whatever it is. I find those things really easy to do um, and that was kind of my primary focus when it came to giving. Um, but during one particular instance, my wife was trying to decide what different Uh, career path to take and she was in kind of a toxic environment where she was working her first year and she wanted to quit but she needed to or she wanted to find some other avenue where she could spend her time for looking for a job and I was like okay well great like let's sit down and do it or honey why don't you just do it and she would say well Seth well can you just like sit beside me um while I do this like yeah sure and I can like help you look for a job no let's like literally just sit beside me and I'm like honey that makes no sense at all I'm not doing anything um And yeah, I hear a chuckle there because there's a lot of married couples out there who, or maybe even not married couples. Maybe I'm just like way far out there. But um, that was something that I didn't completely understand that was sometimes my presence alone could be a motivation or a support in a way that I didn't even know that I could be there. So it added a cool tool to my quiver to know how to uh, do marriage, I guess. And it reminded me kind of of this biblical story with... um, with Martha, when she was saying to Jesus, when she was working, cooking up a storm, and then there was Mary with Jesus and a few others, and Martha's like, hey, Jesus, why, why don't you tell Martha, like, come help me do something. Uh, we got a meal to cook here. And Jesus is like, no, like, she's here. She's with her Savior. She's in the presence of her Savior at the moment. Like, she's where she needs to be. And that really kind of cemented for me with that story, and then the instance I have with my wife is that sometimes it's not, it's not just about doing, but sometimes it's
0: about being. Hmm. Yes, and, and we've been in a series with the church here regarding promises, yeah. and throughout the next few weeks, we're going to dive into different promises in the Bible that we found, and the one I want to dive into today is, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You can follow with me here on the screen or on your phone or in an actual Bible if you brought that. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 6 and read 6 and 7. It says, remember this, whoever so sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. This is the part that really sums it up for me in in this specific few verses. Each of you shall give what you have decided to in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I think the beautiful thing about this is so often we're, we're in this mindset that we have to give according to the dictates of society. Uh, what we see on, on social media or whatever is influencing us, telling us, the people around us saying, hey, if, if you're going to give, you have to give like this. It has to look like this. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Giving is from the heart. I want you to give what I've blessed you with. I want the quality. I don't want the quantity. And we see this story exemplified in, I believe it's Mark chapter 12, where, where the disciples are there in the temple with Jesus and they're, they're looking at uh, a widow and, and a rich man. And the widow brings two mites, two dollars, a very small amount. And, and this rich man backs up his truck and unloads all his wealth and riches into the treasury. And, and the disciples are like, oh, wow, look at this rich guy just giving so much to the temple. And Jesus says, no, the real giver here is the widow because she gave from her heart what she had, what she could, what she desired. And so many times we're we're under the impression we have to give in a certain way, in a certain quantity, but God's saying, I want you to give from your heart because I have blessed you, I have given you blessings, and if you look around, you can give from your heart. We've talked a lot about giving from a from monetary standpoint, from a time standpoint. As we've dove into, into what giving really means, Seth, we found that there's various other ways. Can you tell us what, what are some other ways of giving that we found to be very exciting?
1: Yeah, and so some of the research that we did while um, on this journey is we came across this 82-page study that was contributed to by a number of different universities, um, those amongst Uh, Berkeley, and a few others, and they brought out seven forms of giving that I'd like to just briefly touch on. So those are thoughts, words, three, money, four, time, influence, things, and attention. And we've touched on a number of different stories that have touched on probably at least four of these, and I'd like to tell another story that kind of sums up a great deal of these together, Um, So when I was 16, I lost my father um, because he took his own life, and that left a huge void in who I was as a 16-year-old man, uh, only son in the family, just left me with a lot of different holes and a lot of pits waiting to be filled up with, hopefully, something good, but if not, maybe even something bad, and I remember... Um, specifically, the memorial service it had just ended, and I was sitting at the front pew, and a man from the back came up uh, to the front. His name was Ron Patterson, and he put his arm on my shoulder, and his tears coming down his face, he said, Hey, come here for a second, I want to show you something. So I got up and followed him to the back side of the sanctuary, and he knelt down beside this beautiful stained glass window. It was actually a yellow one that was very similar to this one. And he knelt down there, and as we're looking out the window, it's setting in the evening. He put his arm around me, and he's just kneeling down. And he said, Seth, you see that sun? And I said, yeah. He said, some days you're gonna see that sun go down, and you're ever gonna, and you're gonna wonder if that sun's ever gonna come back up again. And he said, Jesus promises us that it's always going to be darkest before the dawn, and that that sun is always going to rise again. I promise you that. Now, since then, Ron's actually passed away, and so this story has even a, a deeper level of meaning to me. Uh, we lost him to COVID, and he, he made a mark on me, not just a mark, but he filled a hole in me that I didn't even know that was fully there. He let me know that no matter what we go through, there's always going to be a, a bright moment that is coming past that darkness. And Ron gave me something very important there. He gave me words. And in the past few years, I've gone through this Understanding and almost paradigm shift when it comes to thinking about the power we have with the word and the speech and the breath that sits in our own chest. Because in the very beginning, you know, it talks about God's spirit hovering over the waters, and then God audibly uses that spirit and that voice to speak all of creation into existence. And then, to cap it all off, he makes man, and then he forms us in the dirt, and then he breathes that breath into us. Not only that, we have that breath to breathe, but he gives us something else that really none other in the animal kingdom have, which is this ability to speak. And then we hear story and story and story after time after time, the power of words. And in that story with me, with Ron, like he gave me something through that breath, that same breath from Jesus passed down all the way from Adam to that current time that was to give me strength to go through a hard time. And we all have that same exact gift and honor to be able to pass on to others as well. And so I just wanted to share that because I think it's a beautiful representation of that there's a, a lot of different ways that we can give.
0: Yes, and, and that's so true and so key because we, like we've mentioned before, we get so stuck in this rut that if I'm going to give, I have to pull out my paycheck, uh, my checkbook. Not mm-hmm. that I use that, but uh, <laughs> the metaphor stands. And, and there's the point of these seven different forms of giving, Seth, I think is so important because it shows us every one of us can give Every one of us have been blessed with either time, influence, the ability to pay attention to someone. To to, smile. To smile, exactly. We want to dive into the word some more here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, so if you want to follow along with me, I'm going to start in verse 10. It says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He's he's essentially giving this metaphor to a a farmer, and and many of us here may not be farmers, but what remains is that God is blessing us tremendously for what we need. Let's keep reading. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. You will be enriched so you can be generous. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is powerful because God says uh, through Paul, I want to bless you and I have blessed you abundantly. Why? So you can give. And in so giving, people see Jesus. Central to this idea is that when we give, people see that there's something different about us. That we are giving for a specific purpose because God has blessed us. Let's keep reading here. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Here it is, the, the center of it all to me is that it's the gospel. When, when we read these verses, it's saying, I'm going to bless you. God's saying, I'm going to bless you with so much, so much abundance so that you can give to your communities, you can transform your communities, and your, tra- and your transformed community will look and say, wow, they have something. I'm going to praise God. Central to the gospel is giving. Central to giving is that we can show people Jesus. Throughout the Bible is this thread, the same thread thought and idea we start in in isaiah i believe it's 58 you can correct me later if i'm wrong where he says i have a fast that i'm proclaiming to you and when i read the word fast i get a little nervous because i like food Uh, but he says no this fast is a little different it's a fast where you proclaim liberty to the captives you feed the hungry you clothe those who need food and he goes again God again in in matthew chapter 25 he says there's going to be a judgment scene at the judgment scene, what's determining who, who is good and bad is giving. Is the fact that are we going to give to the least of these, those who need water, those who need food? And, and then again in James chapter 1, we have uh, James saying that the widows, the orphans, when we care for them, when we are unspotted from the world, this is true, true religion. It's a motif woven through all of scripture that central to the gospel is giving. And if we are going to live the gospel, we are giving to our community. Seth, we want to challenge the church today. We want to challenge each of us, you and I, to something greater than what we are, what we are doing right now. Tell us a little bit about this challenge.
1: Yeah, so in preparation for this talk um, and the whole GiveWell um, theme that we've been working on, we came up with this challenge called the Give Well 100. And it has to do with each one of those seven different themes that we talked about. So thoughts, words, money, time, influence, things, and action, or excuse me, attention. And Moses will touch on each one of those specifically and how we might do this. But over the next 100 days, we'd like you to take these cards and think about each one of these different items and how you might be able to give your time or your attention to someone and then document it.
0: It's, it's a commitment. Right. And we want to commit to this because I truly believe that if we commit to this, we will see our life change. We will see the community change. I'm going to read, uh, especially for those watching online, going to read each of these challenges. And and I'll ask the deacons if they want to start passing out uh, some pens and some of these papers to the church here. Um, The basic idea is you check the one you want to commit to for the next 100 days, starting today. For the next 100 days, you're going to commit to this. You're going to put your email, and we'll get in touch with you to hear your stories, to hear how it went. The first one, thoughts. Write down 100 positively transforming thoughts. Words. Share 100 uplifting words. Money. Give $100. Time. Give 100 minutes to bettering the people around you. Influence, positively influence 100 people. Things, give 100 things away. Attention, give 100 smiles, like Seth was talking about. Yeah. These are challenges we can commit to, and we can transform this community.
1: Amen.
0: I remember when, when COVID first started, I was, I was on a Zoom call, and there were a couple pastors and, and some folks from the church here on it discussing <clears throat> the future of the church and where things are going. And I remember Pastor Chris asked this question where where he says if this church were to, for sh- to shut down for good and never open up again, would the community feel the difference? Would the people know that this church didn't exist? And it was, a, it was a rebuke to me, it was a challenge to me to think what am I doing to give to this community in a way that they see Jesus, that they need us here, to feel Jesus and there's a story in the Bible that I want to end on uh, a parable a parable that Jesus shares uh, where he says who of you being a shepherd and finds yourself with a hundred sheep and you notice among the hundred sheep that one is missing does not go after that one sheep pursues that one sheep and when he finds the sheep puts him on his shoulders, carries him home, and throws a party. There's two lessons I want to get from this for us today. Lesson number one, the 99, maybe you are part of the 99. And if you're part of the 99, it's a blessing. I think because God has given us a purpose. You wake up every morning with the assurance, I have woken up for a reason. I have woken up for a purpose because I know God has created me today to give to the people around me. He has overflowed me with blessings so that the community around me will know that Jesus is in my heart and they will see the gospel. We will give and we will give our time, our attention, our money, our influence to the community around us. But maybe we're the lost sheep. Maybe we've had some struggles with the sheep around us and we ran away. Maybe there was some traumatic thing in our life and and we just couldn't handle the hillside anymore and so we went on the run. Or maybe we stopped believing in the shepherd altogether and we decided it was best that we leave. We tend to think of God as a sedentary God. They're in in the sky watching down at us, but I, I would think that this parable suggests something else, that God is a God in motion that he's running after us. And if if we're that sheep on the run, that if we sit down and listen just a little bit, we can hear footsteps running after us, trying to catch up to us to say, I want to take you home. And if we stop running, we're talking about giving today. God asks us to give one last thing, and that's to give up to him, to give up ourselves to Jesus. So, whether we're the 99 or whether we are that one sheep, we have a calling today to give and to give and to give again. Join us in singing the goodness of God.